Hello, I'm Dr. Lanlan Smith, Editor-in-Chief of The Lancet Hematology, and today I'm joined by Dr. Judith Bohr of the Princess Maxima Center of Pediatric Oncology in the Netherlands. We're going to discuss a study which has just been published in The Lancet Hematology, which looks at children with acute lymphocytic leukemia with able class fusion. So, Dr. Bohr, please tell me a little bit about the background of your study. Why is it important now to focus on these particular patients? Well, say a couple of years ago, I guess 10 years ago already, yeah, it started to show that there are able class fusions other than BCR able among children and also uh, adolescents, young adults with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And this is other than the well-known BCR able fusion. So by doing more research, we found that this is actually a similarly sized group of patients, but they're very heterogeneous. And the, the most common uh, fusions are a PDGF-RB uh, uh, receptor, but also ABLE1 with uh, another partner than BCR and ABLE2 and the CSF1R receptor. So these are four genes. And in effect, when they have a fusion, uh, also activate tyrosine kinase signaling. But they're harder to find. Uh, actually, they were found by two different groups because their gene expression profile looks similar to BCR able positive patients. And for example, they have a high uh, frequency of IGROS deletions as well. So from in vitro studies um, or, or ex vivo patient material, it became clear that they uh, respond also to tyrosine kinase inhibitors. So uh, if you inhibit this signaling, the cells ex vivo die. And then some case studies were reported with patients who were usually heavily pretreated and did not have a good response to chemotherapy, also got treated with tyrosine kinase inhibitors, and some of them uh, with success. So this uh, sort of led to the idea that these patients may be sensitive to tyrosine kinase inhibitors and that this could improve their outcome, similar to able positive patients. Currently, these inhibitors are being implemented into first-line treatment, but because it's such a, a, a diverse group and no single treatment protocol actually has enough patients to evaluate uh, the treatment outcome, we really need to do this in an international uh, collaboration. So with this study, we first actually wanted to set a reference to see how these patients were doing before the introduction of tyrosine kinase inhibitors in their treatment, so as to have a reference later to evaluate whether adding it to their treatment would be of benefit, because the patient population is so rare that it is not possible to do a prospective randomized trial. And the randomized trial that has been done with BCR-able positive patients was actually stopped prematurely simply because adding the tyrosine kinase inhibitor improved their outcome so much. So this would not be a, a way to take with the ABLE class fusion cases. And that's why we made a historic reference cohort uh, so that we can in the future compare treated patients uh, without tyrosine kinase uh, treated patients. Yeah, that's one of the great things about this study. Can you tell us a little bit about the collaborative effort that went into assembling this cohort? Well, we um, sort of looked for interest among a, a group of actually more than 20 different study groups worldwide connected in the Ponte di Legno working group. And this is 
a sort of self-made working group where people can ask each other for help with rare pediatric acute lymphocytic leukemia. So any rare entity you're interested in, you ask other countries, study groups to join. And in this case, 14 study groups joined and they were willing to go back into their archives uh, till 2000 and, and to identify, collect patients up to 2018 that had ABLE-class fusions, but were for sure not treated first line with the tyrosine kinase inhibitors. So that resulted in 122 patients. And in total, they were treated on more than 20 different treatment protocols because per study group over the past, uh, say, uh, 20 years, yeah, treatment protocols move forward. So there were one to 22 patients per protocol. So that already shows you you're, it's going to be very hard to do any kind of evaluation by a single center. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic international effort. And it's great to hear about this um, collaborative group, which allows all sorts of rare genetic alterations to be studied. So can you tell me about the main findings of this particular study? Yeah, so from those 122 patients, we had well outcome information and, of course, information on what kind of able class fusion they belong to. And then for most patients, we also had some kind of earlier treatment response, which is minimal residual disease after the first course of multidrug chemotherapy. So those were the most important data that we collected and analyzed. And we found that there was actually a, a poor response to treatment. So over uh, two-thirds of patients had a still a very high level of minimal residual disease after the first four weeks of treatment, um, which we express in how many leukemic cells are still present among white blood, cell uh, white blood cells, and that was then above 1%. That's even higher than the one in 1,000 that we usually choose to direct patients to high-risk treatment. So really showing that multidrug chemotherapy alone is not uh, sufficient in the majority of patients to reduce disease burden uh, to a, a really acceptable level uh, of minimal residual disease. And when we look further at the outcome of patients, uh, we looked at the five-year um, event-free survival, uh, which was 59%. Uh, and the overall survival at five years was 76%. And when we compare that to, say, an overall pediatric uh, leukemia cohort, in the same time period, uh, the overall survival at five years is close to 90%. So really showing that there, there is still a large uh, gap there. Over 30% of patients had a relapse within uh, five years. So where we stand now with the reference cohort showing that they have an unfavorable outcome. Yes, very different from uh, outcomes for patients who don't have these class fusions, which are, are quite good these days for pediatric ALL patients. So, I mean, what do you think are the clinical implications for, for these rare patients? I think we're, we're moving forward the right way. So in, in currently started first-line uh, therapies, these patients are uh, well actively uh, being detected, and when positive for an able class fusion, they will receive the tyrosine kinase inhibitor in combination with their uh, multidrug chemotherapy uh, regime. 
So much like we've learned over the past years from the Bizarable positive cases. Yeah, that's the new data that we're now collecting. Um, actually, again, in, in multiple uh, treatment uh, protocols. Although in Europe, we've now started the ALL Together protocol, which is a, a large a study group, say about 10 times larger than just the Netherlands. So we'll, uh, that also means within one treatment protocol, we'll collect more uh, cases and we can uh, compare similarly treated patients for outcomes, uh, including tyrosine kinase inhibitors. Yeah, that the, the group is large, is heterogeneous enough already with the four fusions. <laughs> and so we really need to monitor. And that's also what we'll do uh, when these patient, patients get the tyrosine kinase inhibitor, whether they have a good response. So we'll keep on monitoring the minimal residual disease, also look for the fusion among the, the persisting cells, and of course, to look at their long-term outcome. Yeah, this is a fantastic solution to that issue with for, for rare diseases where you can't really, as you said before, do a, a randomized clinical trial just because there's there's not enough patients to do so. And it sounds like you've got a really great uh, system set up that we'll be able to learn a lot from in the future. So fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything else you want to want to talk about in regards to your study or these patients? No, but of course, we want to thank all the collaborators who are, like you say, they're always, uh, well, it's great to have this group together. And I'm happy that they're always willing to share their uh, their clinical and other baseline characteristics. We have some kind of handy forms. So, uh, yeah, the kind of questions you ask are similar every time. But indeed, we're addressing different rare disease entities. And we're really happy that the Lancet Hematology well, has uh, seen the value of our work and that they, uh, yeah, that they wanted and have been so helpful in getting this publication in such a beautiful shape. It's been an absolute pleasure working with you. And thank you so much for giving your time to chat with us today. It's been wonderful. I look forward to reading about your, the positive outcomes for these patients in the future. Thank you. you. Too.